Hi, friends and awesome moms. What you're about to hear is a conversation I had with my mother, which reflects our last class. I brought up some of the questions that came up in our awesome mom session in order to further our understanding, gain more clarity, and perhaps fill in some gaps. My mother, Mrs. Horowitz, is a parenting expert. She's taught hundreds of mothers in Baltimore and has done a pretty good job herself. She's also graciously shared her curriculum with us. I hope that our little rehash will help us continue in our pursuit of awesome momness. And with that, Ima. Okay, hi, Ima. Hi, Adol. So nice to see you again. I know, same here. Um, Thank you so much for your time. So the first thing is that the other mothers and I found our last conversation so helpful in both clarifying the topic of encouraging our kids to contribute as well as understanding the place for natural rewards and consequences as opposed to bribes. So thanks for that. It was super helpful. Good. Good. Um, Before uh, before we jump into this week's question, one of the mothers just asked if we could clarify the compliment of you are a good kid in terms of the three S's. You know, she, um, she wanted to know, I guess, what the you know, what's so, what's, what's so bad about such a compliment? You are a good kid. What's so bad, what's so bad about it? What's so unhealthy about it? And so um, dangerous, I would like to use the word, is because if you do X, you're a good kid. That means if I don't do X, I'm a bad kid. And children are extremely sensitive to that. And they begin to define themselves by that. So if I'm constantly being told that I'm good and I never do anything wrong, that's fine. I mean, in a sense. But for those kids that are real kids, they don't always do what they're supposed to be doing, and therefore they're not a good kid. So if they're not a good kid, then they're a bad kid. And some children will even verbalize, well, I'm just being, I'm just a bad kid today, or I'm just becoming a bad kid. And they begin, they never internalize that. And um, they they will they will act out their well, how they de- how they define themselves how they feel about themselves. So it really is dangerous. Um, children that do what they're supposed to do are convenient children. They're not good or bad. Um, children um, are inquisitive. They're curious. They're developing. They're they're full of all different questions and and they're trying to find answers to those questions and part of finding answers to questions is acting out hypotheses that they have if i do this what's going to happen and if i do that what's going to happen maybe if i do this then that will happen well i'll only find out if i try it and they try it and not they're bad they don't understand that you know when you take a pin and you stick it in your sister, it's gonna, it's, yeah, she's gonna scream and it's gonna hurt her. But they, they, they're not doing it because they want to hurt her. Very often it's just because they, they wanna see what's gonna happen if that's what they do. Um, or if they push the china off the table, they wanna see if it's gonna break in two pieces or it's gonna break in a million pieces. And they don't understand that china's expensive <laughs> and it's not something that we, that we, experiment with in order to find the answer to. So it doesn't make them a bad kid. It makes them a curious kid. Uh, it could be argued that it makes you a bad parent 
because you left China on the table that was within his reach. Okay, many behavioral psychologists will say that it's totally your fault as a parent for doing that. So getting back to the initial question, um, why is it so dangerous? It's dangerous because they begin to define themselves by those terms and their terms are not true. A child isn't good or bad depending on their behavior. Children are basically, you know, they're Yitzhahara, as you'll see in, as the course continues. Uh, a child doesn't really get a Yitzhahatov until they're Barabbas Mitzvah. So there, there are like the devil incorporated. They are the Yitzhahara. And, and, they, and, and they will act accordingly. Mm -hmm. um, that's why we have to be so careful that things are not in their, their reach, things that are not accessible to them. So they don't do things that annoy us or make our lives more difficult because we have to clean up after they make those mistakes or we have to pay for it because they just broke a vase that you paid, you know, $75 for it and now it's, it's broken. So um, that's why I would not use the terms that's you're a good girl, you're a bad girl. They're not good or bad. They're, they're more, more or less convenient. Um, they follow through. Maybe they're following through because they're terrified. I mean, the different reasons why children will do what you want them to do when you want them to do it. Right. Does that answer the question? Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I thought we were even going to go into the, like, in terms of the three S's, the short, specific, and sincere. sincere. So the issue with good and bad, you're saying, is not, is not that it's not specific enough. It's just, it's too, uh, um, it's too much of a judgment of character, let's say, as opposed to a judgment yes. of the action. Like, right, right. And we're not judging a child's character at the age of five. Okay. And, and help and having them think that that's who they are and defining themselves by that at a very young age. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good way of saying it. it it's not as, as little to do with short. It is short. It could be that you are sincere about it because they just did something that you like, but um, but it's, again, it's like you said, it's, it's a judgment of their character and it's not really fair to judge a child, mm -hmm. um, judge a child's character and because, and it also is dangerous. They begin to see themselves and have a fear that if they don't do exactly what they're supposed to be doing, then they're bad, which does not make them bad. Right. Right. Yeah. When she asked that, I thought about when we slip and we call our kids, especially our babies, a good baby and a bad baby. And you always say, kids are all good. Sometimes they're more convenient and sometimes they're less convenient. So I thought that was good. Um, okay, so good. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So we're, so it's not even in terms of the three S's, it's in terms of their character. Okay, so that clarifies. Um, okay, so we can move on to the topic for this week. Um, it's not at all related to kids contributing topic. It was a tangent. And it came up because one of the mothers was having trouble with her two and a half year old going to sleep when we were starting the class. And he simply just kept coming out of bed, you know, to sit on her lap, to sit on her lap and listen to our class, um, you know, learn how he can be a good parent in 20 years. Um, anyway, but he, uh, she was having trouble, you know, having him stay in bed. Um, so some of the other mothers were relating to this issue and we were, giving and taking ideas, suggestions, guidance. Um, so the topic is bedtime. There's, 
I realize that there's a bunch of angles that we can discuss in terms of bedtime, but I guess the, the first one would just be in general. Is there any guidance we can get in terms of um, putting children to bed, especially ages two to three, when you're just maybe starting with natural consequences, but it's not so, it's not yet age appropriate. Um, is there anything that um, a feeling or understanding we should have about bedtime specifically, or is it part of a bigger issue? Like what, where would you go with it? Um, it's, it's, it's not a simple question to answer. I think the first thing I'd like to say is that no one should think they're a bad parent. And I've heard so many mothers say, I'm just, I'm just not a good parent. I can't get my kids to stay in bed. I just don't, I don't know. I just can't do it. This doesn't work for me. The first thing I want to say is that it doesn't make you a bad parent. Um, that's a very, very difficult age um, for a lot of different reasons. As you said, natural consequences, they're not really up that yet they don't really understand for the same you know certain kids yes certain two and a half year olds understand very well natural consequences and others are not yet there um so natural consequences is really difficult when it comes to this another thing is some kids need less sleep than others that's just a reality as much as we'd like to say that every single child needs 12 hours of sleep at night which is not true it's just not true there are many that do and then there are those that don't so we have to decide what end do we want them up on? Do we want them up later in the morning or do we want them to get up at four or five o'clock in the morning? You know, it, it's it's something that we, we have to realize is 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 a reality for some of us. Um, the other thing we have to keep in mind is we have to ask ourselves, why are we putting this child to sleep? Which goes back to some kids need 12 hours and some don't. Um, you know, many mothers will say, I just need quiet at the end of the day. I need to put them to sleep. I need them to be in their beds. So the first thing you have to come, and it's a, it's a tool that I think is important for us to use in general when we're raising our children, is why am I doing this? Am I doing this for myself or am I doing this for my child? If I'm doing it for myself, then we have to realize that it might not be the best thing for the child. It might be very difficult for the child. But if I need it, then I have to come to terms with the fact that I need it, and then I have to figure out a way for the child to want it. Mm -hmm. Child might not need it. We have to figure out a way for the child to want it. Okay, so that's when um, positive motivations come into place. Whether it's immediate positive motivations, like if you stay in bed now, um, I'll read you an extra story in in, in fifteen minutes, or um, or we'll, we'll if you if you stay in bed, I'll, I'll play a game with you, or I'll I'll lay with you, or whatever it is that you can do in order to motivate them to want to stay in bed. Um, because they don't want to stay in bed, they don't really need to stay in bed, you, you need them to stay in bed. So then it's not that the kids that, I mean, I know you, you have some kids yourselves and you have nieces and nephews that ask to go to sleep. Right? They want to go to bed. Mommy, can I please, Ima, I want to go to bed. Yeah, I never had any kids like that. But um, there are kids that exist like that. You know, they want to go to bed. So, you, you know, they, it's good for them. You put them to bed, even though, you know, you're okay with them being up another hour. They're tired. They need to go to bed. But there are many kids that don't. So, um, you know, that child that came out and wanted to sit on his mother's lap, it's not a bad mother that allows that. Child's not tired yet. 
You're just sitting and listening to the conversation. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not sure where people have gotten the idea that there's something wrong with that, that they're being a bad mother by letting them come out of bed. Kids that are tired go to sleep. For, for the, 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 main, the main, you know, the most kids are talking about. When they're tired, they go to sleep. When they're hungry, they eat. They, they take care, they basically take care of most of their needs. They, you know, they'll, they'll allow their needs to be taken care of. So routines are very important. You know, for people that don't have routines, routines are very important. They're very helpful in, in getting children in the habit of going to sleep at a certain time. Winding down, doing things gradually are very important. So instead of, you know, we're outside, we're playing, we're supper, we're bed. A lot of kids cannot transition like that so quickly. It has to be more of a gradual transition. Um, giving some kids a warm drink, like a warm drink of milk if possible before they go into bed, are all things that help a child to wind down and get sleepy and want to go to bed. A warm bath, those are all things that are helpful. You're still going to have those kids that have difficulty going to bed at night um, because they don't need sleep. But I think if a child is tired, if, you, if you're out in the park, they get a lot of fresh air, they're, they're fed so that their stomachs are full, as full as they need to be. Um, and it's a, it's, there's, a, there's a, a habit, there's a, an organized um, schedule that they follow every day pretty much, and, and you keep to it as much as possible. Those are all things that, that encourage bedtime, but you're still going to have those kids that, that, that don't want to be in bed. Um, and there are some houses where they let kids drop, in other words. When a kid's really tired, you just put themselves to sleep wherever they are. They just drop wherever they are. <laughs> and the parents would then go and put them in bed. And we have a cousin, Bela. Remember Bela? Bela Block? Yeah, yeah. They're from the droppers. You never, ever. She'll tell you why, you why are you wasting your time. Don't put your kids to sleep. They'll put themselves to sleep when they're tired. Their kids used to drop around the house. And then you just pick them up and put them into bed. Right. That was her sheet up. Is it wrong? I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's very, um, you know. It does. It wouldn't have. I don't know if it really would have worked. Our house. She didn't work most of the time, so she was able to to deal with a schedule that was a little bit more haphazard. Most homes need need to run on a certain routine because most mothers are working, and that's a reality. We have to deal with that reality. We also have to realize that if it wasn't my reality, maybe my kids could drop around the house. So I have to realize that I need them to do it for me which is once we understand that, we have less of a problem with children that have more difficulty following through. Let me review that for a second to see if I understand. The idea is, is that um, we, we set up a schedule that's conducive to a good night's sleep for the amount of time that they need and we set, set it up for success. Like we, we do what it takes that, um, you know, at around the same time every night we're ready for bed and it's like an it's almost like their opportunity to go to sleep. And if they're not tired, then um, it's important for us to think: Why do I need them to go to sleep now? Do I do I need the time, or is it good for them? And then be okay with with having children who need less sleep and who will stick around for a little bit longer, as long as you're doing your best to set it up in a way that that going to sleep is you know the positive next thing to do. Yes. And also as kids get older, you, you said two to three years old, when kids get older, five, six, seven, 
and they're having more trouble staying in their bed, going to sleep. You could say you don't have to go to sleep. You yeah. just have to be in your bed. You have to be in your bed. You could read. You can listen to music. Um, you can have, you know, voice recordings of grandparents reading stories to the kids, you know, that they can listen to. Also, you know, it's a nice quiet time in bed. Rest is, is, is a, is a element of sleep. Um, and they can do these other things to, to stay in bed. You have to stay in bed. Um, it's funny that I'm, I'm talking to you about this. I don't know if you remember, but you were not a sleeper. I definitely remember. And I would pass your room at 12, one o'clock in the morning. I would say, Adol. You need to go to sleep. And you would say, Ima, I just can't turn off my brain. <laughs> so, um, have that problem anymore. <laughs> yeah, we grow out of it, you know. Um, and, and what was I supposed to do? Tell you to flip the switch, you know? But you laid in bed and you rested and you were fine. And, and so, so staying in bed is a big part of it for older children. Mm -hmm. um, just resting in bed, whether, again, it's reading for some kids, listening to music. I'm just thinking. You you were a thinker, so you need to think. Um, I remember things that I thought about. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I also had some fears that, like, I played out in my mind at those times, but it was more like a plan of how I was going to deal with if that was going to happen. I would like plan out strategies, and I remember this very clearly. <laughs> but okay, here. So, I but so different, you know. Resting is important, and and the strategize with them. It's time for rest. You have to be in your bed, um, but you can do other things. You can listen to a book on books on tape. You can um, listen to music. You can read. There are other things that you can do. Right, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. Right, and that's that's already, but that's already at an older age. Yeah, an older well, five, six, seven. Right. Um, and if a child is afraid of the dark, you can give them a nightlight and the door can remain open as long as you stay in bed, you know, have those consequences of if you can't stay in bed, I'm going to have to close the door, which right. they don't want. Often they will stay in bed. So, so these are all really good tips for already the later age. Already the later age. And I want to mention one more thing that some people like and some people don't, and there's nothing wrong with it. For those mothers that are happy to lay down with their children until they go to sleep, that gives a sense of security to the child. I don't think there's anything wrong with laying down with your child to go to sleep. If that works for them, it gives them a sense of security. Maybe they have certain fears. Um, that's fine. That doesn't mean you have to do it. I'm saying for those mothers that want to do it and they're comfortable doing it, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I, sometimes I have a, a, a not, not necessarily a complex, but I, I usually take the, the more of the uh, short, sweet, good night, more of a little i'm a little bit of an authority at night like it's not really a discussion staying up not staying up tired not tired like we have a time we go into bed it's really for the older age because sometimes i wonder mm -hmm. if my, my two-year-old knew how to climb out of her crib she just fell asleep a minute ago and she was in her bed for over an hour talking singing who knows it's what. fine but like, if she knew how to climb out of her crib she would and i i, I don't know what i mean for this age i would just Right, which is why we try to keep them in their cribs as long as they don't climb out. Right. That was your think? question for the week? That's my question for the week. <laughs> I I, yeah, yeah. I, I just want to mention one other thing, and you're very good what you said, what you've done, what works for you. It's very mm -hmm. important when you get in groups like this and just with your friends when you're talking or on social media or whatever. There's not one, one right way to do things. 
And just because something works for you, don't judge your friends because it's not working for them or it's not working for their personality or their kids are not, are not, it's not working for their kids. Every single situation is so different. It's just not, it's not right to judge and it's, it is right to, to um, be there as a support for someone else to listen and understand that if someone's having bedtime problems, that's a really difficult thing in a house. It's really difficult. And it puts a tremendous amount of stress on the whole family. And um, sometimes it's important to just talk it through one-on-one -on -one and, and try to brainstorm what's going on during the day. Um, why, why is the kid having fears? Why doesn't he want to go to sleep? Maybe he really isn't tired. Maybe you do have to move their bedtime a little bit further into the night. But to, to brainstorm together because just because something's working for me doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. And every house is different. Every child is different within the house. So it's important to remember that and have compassion for people that are going through this because it's really a hard thing to deal with. Is there any anything important to know about how kids, let's say kids have night-related fears, dark, loneliness, things like that. Is that, those are things to take into account? Of course, it's to a what important extent? Thing to, to take it into account. A kid who's afraid of the dark, don't force them to go to sleep in the dark. Get them a nightlight that they're comfortable with. Um, let the door be open. There's no, there's no rule that says a child has to learn how to sleep in the dark, in real pitch black. Some mothers feel that way. Absolutely not necessary. Um, some kids like white noise, some kids don't. There's a, there's a um, study that just came out. I didn't really research it. I just read it. So I don't know how believable it is and how you know correct it is, but they're saying that children that sleep with white noise all the time never really relax, that they're always kept at a certain level of, their bodies always kept at a certain level of activity because of the noise, and they never really completely relax. So, you know, on the one hand, white noise can be very helpful for a family, for children to go to sleep. On the other hand, maybe it's, it's they, they, they're not really ready to go to sleep yet. It would be better to let them stay up a little bit longer and not need the white noise. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to know. Every, every family, every situation is different, and, and you, you have to try to work it out. But I think the, the main things are that the child has a full day, they, they're active, they have a good interaction with you, the, the, the interactions with you are positive, it's good, you know, ask about nighttime. It's not a good thing when, when the last words you have with your child are screaming at them to get into bed. It's not a good way to go to sleep. And to make a routine like that with them where they know they can trust you to come back. And, and like I said, they, they, were, they had a good full day. They had good interaction with you. They, they ate well. They, you know, had a relaxing bath and a story. And it's, they were eased into that, into that routine. Will that work for everyone? No, but it will set a pretty good tone in the house.